Welcome to the Kickstart Podcast, where we highlight the stories of how professionals kickstarted and navigate their successful careers. My name is Preston, and on this episode, we have the pleasure of hosting someone who has an impressive career in product design at fast growth companies. Today, he's the director of design at a company called Big Eye that's building a data reliability engineering platform. Jacob, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Preston. Absolutely, my pleasure. So I guess like any podcast, a great way to get started is just ask you, for those that don't know who you are or might be unfamiliar with your background, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. So like I said, I'm at Big Eye right now. I lead a team of brand and product designers. Uh, And so we're serving data engineers as our our core users. Uh, uh, Before this, I was at Lightstep. They're an app observability company. So very analogous work uh, to what we're doing at Big Eye. They were doing for developers logs, traces, metrics, and I was uh, the director of brand there. And for a hot minute, was leading product design. And uh, before that, I was at Pivotal in the Cloud Foundry business unit and had a similar role for platform operators, observing infrastructure, deploying services for developers. And then on the app developer side, you know, how do we automate getting to production? How do we observe through all of those stages? You know, that's that's the recent seven years or so. I've worn many hats at startups, and uh, the first five years of my career, I was a biochemist uh, doing early to late-stage drug development. Wow. So I have to ask you, um, how did you go from biochemistry to product design? I knew I didn't want to be in the lab. That was one thing. I was getting in more of the late-stage work. I was getting exposed to project management mm-hmm. and helping clinical trials along and getting them from microgram to kilogram scale so they can do uh, bigger trials. That gave me a little bit of confidence that like, hey, there's there's kind of something out here besides pipetting that I could be doing. And I had a very good friend uh, steer me in the direction of product design. He was like, Apple's uh, you know re- releasing a developer environment. You can build apps on top of it. I think you should be building things for people. And he gave me Steve Blank's Four Steps to the Epiphany. I read this book cover to cover, and I'm like, this is this is the scientific method applied to business. I can get this. And from there, it was you know finding communities, finding mentors, and we literally built an app uh, for for the iPhone in four months. And so like I was hooked. That's incredible because you know a lot of product designers today um, have come from graphic marketing design, right? Perhaps they were created their whole life. Your story I find particularly unique. Uh, not many people, you're probably the first one uh, where um, you are a product designer to date, but before that you came from something a lot of people consider just not even relevant, completely different orbits, right? Yeah. So did you did you like self-teach yourself design? Did you do like courses? Did you do a boot camp? Did you just learn on the job? Have you always been a creative guy as well? Like just the eye of design, aesthetics, style? Your whole I, life? I'd say, yeah. I mean, I definitely influenced by my brother. This guy's, you know, to this day, just I got his Christmas card, like the whole family, perfect fashion. Um, so I was influenced there. Uh, I also was in a two-year uh, drafting architecture program in uh, in high school. And so literally paper and pencil, 30, 60, 90 ruler. And then the second year was all about CAD. And so I had a sense of, you know, creating things and, you know, low fidelity to high fidelity mm-hmm. and constraints. In being a biochemist, you, you still have very similar, pro- you have a process, right? You're, you got a hypothesis, you're going to make an experiment, you're going to look and analyze the results, you're going to iterate. And so that was already ingrained in me. Those muscles were there. Uh, and it was figuring out, well, what does this mean for user experience? Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I initially made made the jump in kind of a a product manager role, and was really fortunate to to have uh, the hiring manager there uh, train me, uh, and so close that gap from project management to product management. And then eventually, I uh, gained the the designer skills to to really be gainfully hired as as a product designer. Gotcha. I appreciate the the added context, and it totally makes sense for someone who had exposure through architecture biochemistry had exposure there to project management. And then you went from that to product management, which was, I think, a lot more similarity between project management, and product management. And then from there, yep. you kind of shifted into like, oh, wow, there's product design. So I think that that arc um, totally makes a lot more sense, um, which is really cool. Now, for people who are unfamiliar, Jacob, uh, in the audience of product management, product design, would you just be able to maybe describe those in layman's terms? Like, what do you do? Uh, what does your day they look like for both kind of professions? Yeah, I mean, a, a product manager, depending on what altitude you're, you're working at within a company, but let's say, you know, there's a strategy piece and there's more of the execution piece. And so strategy, how do we align to the business's goals? What does that mean? You know, OKRs are the framework that, that most folks use. And so we got an objective, some big audacious goal. We have some key results that, you know, signals we're looking for that, that we're heading in the right direction to meet that objective. Those are usually, you know, year-long plus um, objectives, mm-hmm. and and so that's you know kind of the alignment there. What is our aspiration? Uh, where are we going to play? How are we going to win? What kind of team structure do we need in place? Uh, what kind of like communication uh, organization do we need to support that? So that's kind of the strategy piece. I take that from plane to win. I can't remember the name of the author there, but that's the framework that that I generally use, and um, and then. More on the the tactical or execution side, right? Within within those objectives, you're trying to identify opportunities for the business. I mean, these could be framed as you know we should go after X because we can get this new customer segment, or users have this particular problem, and if we solve it for them, they're going to be more likely to adopt or use our product or continue using our product. Uh, and then, how do you bring that together for for the team? Usually that's an artifact that's going to be like a requirements uh, artifact. And so this is something that collaborating with, uh, with design, with engineering and defining what's, what's, what is the problem that we're really getting after carrying some guardrails. And that, that's a a great point to, uh, for a designer to then kick off their, their work and being able to, to go, um, identify, do we have this problem like really wrapped up? And that's, that's a problem discovery activities. Mm. Once, once it's identified, you're kind of doing more of the, the convergence there and, and then you're going to go wide on your solutions. Uh, and then, you know, validate that you have the right solution or you got a good signal that this is going to work. Then you're pairing up with, uh, with your engineering partners there and, and bringing that into code, you know, making sure that it's, uh, it's got the right behavior that, you know, colors, all right, all, all the kind of details and then, and then release. And so like a PM, they're going to be shepherding that process. They're, they're really a translator across a lot of different roles, including go to market. And so, you know, what's the story behind this, making sure it's technically accurate, uh, that sales can get trained up on this new feature. There's someone that that's really kind of a hub within an organization and, um, and then measuring that those results, right. And then figuring out like, do we, do we iterate? Do you know, we keep moving on? Do we pull it back? Um, and, and that's really another great 
partnership opportunity with uh with a product designer some a lot of people see the pm as almost like a mini ceo of the vertical of the product where you're working with a lot of different cross-functional teams do you kind of uh, agree with that sentiment not really in in the the spirit of like I said, kind of being that hub and working across the organization and, and kind of understanding what the problem is we're solving and how this is going to impact the business. Uh, not so much from like a hierarchical standpoint. I think that uh, really healthy teams, I mean, we'd refer to these at, at Pivotal as balanced teams. Three-legged stool is kind of a the, the metaphor that po- uh, folks will use, you know, so PM's not like this super long leg, but we all have our role, our responsibilities uh, and we can sharpen each other. Like we, we can push each other back and forth and, and that can help us focus and deliver impact at, at the end of the day. So yeah, it's you know a nuanced uh, version of that, sure. What I'm really curious about is in your opinion and experience, how helpful was it to have exposure to working as a product management before you became a designer? Because certainly there's a lot of overlap of like identifying a problem, working yep. closely off data and customer. So from your experience, how helpful was that? In your early incredibly career. helpful, incredibly helpful. I mean, just again, the, the roles, responsibilities, but also having empathy because a PM, they're, they're communicating all the time. Uh, where a designer, like your typical, say like, it, you know, button seat product designer uh, on a team, your calendar looks a lot nicer than, than your PM. Um, so, so there's, there's a bit of that. Uh, but I mean, I'd say like, it doesn't stop there, right? Like I, I've taken those steps to, to understand, um, my engineering partners. And so whether that's front end or back end, um, really getting kind of an assessment of where, what, what's hard, what's, you know, what's easy, uh, what would require a big, you know, refactor to, to bring that to light. And, and that can, those are good constraints, you know, and sometimes you want to, you know, fight, fight for like, let's do that hard work. Um, but other times you're just like, let's not even bother with that. And that can really streamline your work as a designer. Um, but, you know, uh, beyond that, like I've, I've taken the steps to, to learn more about, you know, our sales process, our uh, sales engineers or solution engineers, solution architects, those folks that are sitting with our customers, trying to enable them. They're the closest, you know, beyond the customers, but you can't always get in front of a customer, but you got this proxy. And they're on your side. And like building that relationship is is critical to being successful, I think, long-term, especially at, a, at an enterprise uh, product work. Mm. Um, and marketing marketing as well. And so that I, I think like that was something at, at Pivotal and, uh, and even Lightstep, just walking the halls, you know, when you get those like email blasts from those other groups, reading them on occasion. You know, like going through, trying to understand what what are they working on right now? How does that maybe align to my work? I, I look at it as like, I want to understand the business as like an organism. There's, you know, this is back to my, you know, biochemistry background. Like, I want to understand how these functions interact and how how we move forward as a business. And so that, that's been, you know, passion of mine, let's say. I think that's very key um, and extremely unique about your background. I think on one hand, it's very easy to be 
oh, that's very commonsensical that, you know, you want to make an effort to see and understand what other cross-functional teams are doing. On the other hand, it's a lot more difficult to actually, actually make an effort to do that, right? And I think what I find fascinating is uh, you became product designer in a very unconventional way compared to, you know, just the yeah. standard designers who went to SVA or design school, right? Started graphic yeah. design, then pivoted. Uh, but what I also find really interesting is even as you became more experienced throughout your career, was it Lightstep or, or which company did you have the title head of brand or branding? Uh, director of brand at Lightstep. Right. Yeah. So like from, from my experience, even interfacing with my own network, just recruiting over the years, especially with product designers, I know a lot of designers to, to give the audience more context have worked primarily as marketing, graphic, branding designers before they became product. And then once it became product, like, I don't want to associate myself with branding at all. So the fact that like, you know, you became a product designer and then, you know, perhaps it was, it was the manner in which you did so that gave you and yearning to have an open mind to really make an effort to like uh, make the uh, extra kind of effort to interact and work closely with the sales teams, the, the, the engineering team, the product success teams to really give yourself a holistic understanding, not just of like you siloed as a designer, but as a, as how yeah. the business as a function is doing to then become more experienced and then to be okay with head of branding. Because I know a lot of designers out there be like, no, I would hate to do that. A lot of them would be like, that makes no sense. I feel like I'm going backwards. Mm. So uh, my question to you yeah. is like, after, you know, you became a product designer with a product management skill set, how did you identify yourself when you applied for that next job? Like, did you just, you know, try to sell yourself during interviews as, hey, I'm a product designer? Or did you somehow try to find a way of like, show that you're a multifaceted product designer yeah. who worked as a product manager that can provide the team more value than if they were just to hire a regular straight cut product designer? So we'd love to kind of get your thought process there. I, I, I can't say it was it was on me. I was super inspired. Um, I got to work with, with someone that's a, a good friend, uh, Dan Petty. He's an exceptional, exceptional designer. And um, we were at a startup and he came on as a contractor. And so I saw him, you know, create the brand, you know, help with messaging, redesign the entire product itself. Uh, I mean, just make this incredibly high quality experience. And, and he was a graphic designer um, initially, and then kind of learned the skill set. And so I, I was like, this is a separate like beast from, from anybody that I've seen before. And I'm like, I want that because he was able to see across the company and be impactful and figure out how these two sides of the company in design can complement one another. Uh, so like that was incredibly inspiring. I had 5% of the, you know, the skill set at that point, but through starting my own company, um, you know, work, working as a freelancer, I started to, to position myself as like, I'm going to do some, you know, some free work for friends and, you know, that sort of thing and, and get in those reps, right. And build that community for where folks can give me feedback on the brand side. Um, you can't see here, but there's a ton of books that I have in, in the background. I'm, I'm someone that's going to, going to go and find those kind of desktop reference books, like skim through them, find a couple interesting chapters, figure out better questions to ask, and then go find the right people to talk to 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 get that feedback or that uh, that direction, and so trying to short circuit that learning curve uh, has has been critical. And as I could build like that portfolio, right, then I could start positioning that, um, and then having those early conversations uh, with with companies like even here with Big Eye, you know, they they were looking for they said a designer. I shared with them the uh, branding work that I did at Lightstep and a couple other projects. And they were like, yeah, we have some branding work too. 
And I was able to express to them, like, I want to build a design practice here that includes brand and product design. And knowing that we have different approaches to the work, but we can, we can cross-pollinate one another. And especially in a, a more technical product, you, you're not always going to have like big UI skills in the team. And so your, your team gets larger, but you already got those UI skills in your first brand hire. And so it's like, it makes total sense. Like, let's put them together. Let's get some, you know, cross collaboration, uh, some critiques happening there. And um, yeah, so it's been a way in which I've kind of navigated that. That's cool. So for people who are listening, who are perhaps uh, product designers, uh, maybe they're a little bit green, they're just starting out and they came from a traditional more marketing, visual graphic, but they want to continue more on the product design route. How important is it for them to still include a lot of the great marketing and branding work in their portfolio uh, whilst trying to actively look for product design positions? I would say like focus, 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 you know, like it is the key show the work of that you want to be doing, not the work that you've done. Whenever you're presenting yourself, like if there is that opportunity, um, you know, early on, then yeah, maybe throw in when, once you get to that onsite, like throw in a branding project or two, tease it out. Mm -hmm. But in order to get identified as, as a candidate uh, in that initial review, the more focused you can be, the easier it's going to be for either the recruiting team to make a decision. You go on this pile, you know, you got one minute to decide. And then for that hiring manager, you know, you might have a few minutes, 10 minutes uh, at the very, very most where they're going to be looking at your portfolio. So like they need to be able to envision that you can do the work uh, at, at their or on their product. So the first couple of jobs, Pivotal, Lightstep and Beyond, how did you find those jobs? Was it through referrals? Did you cold apply? Did you just find their website, career page well, and you apply directly? How did it Well, there was the in-between years. There was the in-between years where, you know, I joined a couple of pre-seed companies mm -hmm. and I ended up starting uh, my own company. But one of the things that benefited me early on was building a community, joining communities, but, but being, uh, being active in, in them. Uh, and so... There's plenty of meetups that I was a part of, a UXI for the developer, um, Lean UX, um, Designers and Geeks, a um, few more. But that got me going to offices, hearing talks, giving talks on what I was learning, little lightning talks at first, and then like, you know, larger project kind of presentations, like case studies at a point. So I was getting reps, but I was getting exposure and I was building relationships. And so that allowed me to, to, you know, to have some folks kind of reaching out to me over time. Uh, but it also gave me that like perspective on like, how do I want to position myself? What's my story I want to tell for this project so that it resonates with somebody. I, I was too verbose in my portfolio. And that was something I had to, to learn on like making those case studies, you know, three, five minute reads, tops, 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 you know, ideally more like two minute reads, one minute, mm -hmm. trying to tell my story stories quicker um, was was absolutely critical and then you know started getting building relationships with recruiters actually one of the things I did really forgot this was uh, I paired up partnered up with a recruiter uh, when I was trying to make the career change and so six to 12 events a week in San Francisco on the peninsula driving asking questions every dumb question, you know, asking for business cards, following up, asking, you know, a couple questions to, to folks, whether they're, you know, director of product, a VP, a founder, a VC. I was just like, what is 
this Silicon Valley? Where are these communities? Where do I fit in? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, built out that LinkedIn network as well. And so um, offering whatever I could do up front, you know, like I'm not here to, to ask for something right now. I'm just here to learn and I want an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that really helped. And so those recruiters were reaching out pivotal lights that big eye. I was recruited to all these companies pivotal though. I did um, that was through Mike Long, who's um, he's a good friend uh, these days, but he led the lean UX meetup group. And so he had seen me present, he'd seen me lead activities there. And, and he kind of put the bug in my ear of like, Hey, you, you want to come to cloud foundry? You want to come, come here and work on some hard problems. You seem like your, your entities, like come check it out and come have lunch with me. And so it was really informal at first. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna throw my hat in. And it went through that process and it couldn't be happier. I really admire how, um, resourceful you are, you take the initiative. Uh, I, I think it's a great example of uh, being very active in the community just outside of your day-to-day work. Um, and if you really want something, you'll just find a way uh, to to meet the people, establish the right connections offline and offline. And you've done a seemingly like a, a fantastic job at that. So uh, huge props uh, for yourself Thanks. getting involved in a community that you had no experience prior of. Now, I did want to ask you, and you brought this up a couple of times, you did have experience starting your own company. Would love to ask yeah. you, how was that experience? What did the company do? How did that experience, how big did your team get? Uh, in case yeah. people are curious. <laughs> um, I, I've always wanted to start a company, even after college. I was you know, thinking about like, um, when, what kind of company could I start someday? Um, I was thinking more retail actually at that time. Uh, but the opportunity came up. I had I had a, a back injury. I couldn't work. Um, I was literally laid out on my back. And a good friend of mine, uh, who's a behavior therapist for children with autism, he said, hey, there's a lot of iPads. There's a lot of iPhones. Like, like I see the parents have them. We have them. But there's not really any great content uh, for, for the kids. Some families, a lot of families, they don't have the, the time or the resources in order to get as much therapy as, as they would like. And um, he thought that like, maybe there's a way that we can supplement that, that in-person therapy with, uh, with something on like an iPad. And that sent me off into, uh, you know, researching more about the therapy that they practice and, um, and game-based design. And I was realizing that they came, they were actually fairly close. Like the overlap was shockingly similar. And, and so we had this idea of like, well, what if we could teach some of some of these lessons in the form of a game? And we, you know, sketched that out. I was again, going to a lot of meetups at this point, um, a lot of talks uh, down at Stanford, at UCSF, um, and just, just meeting folks and like, is there an appetite for this? And it seemed like there was, and we ended up convincing another friend that uh, we had worked with who's, who's an engineer. And we ended up starting a company. The company is called Making Friends. We ended up building an iPad game and um, for teaching social skills. We used that to apply into the UCSF um, Lean Launchpad. So this was me and led by Steve Blank going full circle uh, from like the first book that like kind of gave me that hope that I could make this transition to like I'm getting taught by you know that my hero at this point. Um, and that, that was a, a brilliant experience. I mean, the, the amount of um, advisors that they had in there, 
and coaches uh, really helped accelerate me as far as like, how do you run a company? How do you find product market fit? Uh, we ended up uh, pivoting, uh, for lack of a better term, and, and building more of a SaaS product for managing care. Uh, that, that had a better business model. It could be more impactful is what we learned. And there was also a fairly good amount of resistance to uh, devices because they could have their own uh, negative habits for, for folks on the spectrum. How big did your team get at its peak? Oh, uh, let's see, eight or nine. And then we had like a, a parent advisory board that was probably six and then a business, you know, a, a business advisory board that was four. Um, that included like Carrie Burnquist from Stanford, who's one of the leading researchers, uh, Alex Cowan, who's written a couple books on um, on customer development. Um, and, you know, somebody that's like a 5X entrepreneur. Um, so like I was able to get these folks um, coaching me, giving me feedback, uh, helping me kind of climb that learning curve faster. That's awesome. And then what happened? Like, why did you decide to be the business? Did you shut down the business? Like what happened? We ended up kind of like parlaying the business to a YC company uh, called Nightingale and basically combined our two products. So we, we grew a customer base, um, kind of ran into the same problem where like raising was the next round wasn't really going to be in the best interest. Like we just hadn't, we hadn't grown fast enough. Uh, that ended up getting sold to Raiden Health, and um, and they're they're doing great. You know, they're they're a practice that bought technology to accelerate uh, their business. Uh, but I talked to Carrie yesterday, like so, like I, you know, I still have those connections, those relationships. What was your transition like from being an entrepreneur, CEO, and then back entering back into the workforce? Because I know that people uh, yeah. <laughs> who are working to get working for themselves or have work for themselves. It, 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 whether it's managing a small mid-sized team or even just freelancing, right? It's it's completely different than um, having to directly report to somebody else. Like, yeah. I know as a business owner, as a CEO, your your brain must just be constantly running, right? It just never turns off. And then now uh, I'm really happy we actually touched upon your entrepreneurial company experience a little bit because it just adds another color to uh, where your initiative comes from where your resourcefulness comes from because like these are all really important skills you need as an entrepreneur as yeah. as a ceo founder right so um yeah. now it just it just gives the audience and myself more perspective into in terms of your background but what was it like like getting back to the workforce like did you have to find a way to to shut it off or maybe like it was yeah. the, the way to kind of fill in all the gaps is by you making that extra effort, being resourceful, develop relationships with other team members, seeing how you can impact the business on other ways other than um, how you were initially hired for. Like, is, is that, that kind of, you know, was that good enough for you? And is that kind of you know, the catapult, I guess, the kickstart catapult um, that kind of uh, became your career in product design, your multifaceted career in product design, or yeah. just what was your experience like? Uh, it, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of humble pie there. It was also like, I mean, it was, I, I did a good amount of freelance as well. So like, because we bootstrapped um, making friends. Uh, and so yeah, having that like independence um, and then giving it, giving up some of it, but what was I, what was I getting, you know, um, was kind of how I was looking at it. I had, Worked alongside, you know, some some really great designers. I had, you know, done end-to-end -end product design. I had done some some brand design. Uh, I had collaborated with some folks, but I hadn't been part of a design team. 
And so like, that's what I wanted because I ultimately knew like, I want to be able to, to build a design team. Yes. I want to find, you know, start another company in, in the future. It wasn't the next step of, of what my family needed at that time. And so I, I had to look at it as like, I want to join a company that's growing quickly where I can get my skill set as a designer checked and I have an opportunity to, to eventually lead uh, here. And knowing Pivotal, the, the, their agency side of the business, their consulting side, they, you know, they were very pro design. They had this you know, cloud foundry that they're serving for, Fortune 2000 companies. And I'm like, I haven't, I haven't worked for, I haven't created a product for that technical of an audience. And, and I looked at it as like, I have a ton to learn here. You know, just because I held this role at an eight-person, nine-person company, it doesn't mean like I have that skill set by any means. Yes, I had great mentors or a great board, sure, but there's still so much more uh, to learn here. It took a little while to kind of shrug off that uh, that independence or like letting other people make decisions. Um, you know, disagreeing um, and being okay with that, um, but. It, it took a while for me to kind of kind of learn that. And um, I mean, even Mike being able to work with him and he was somebody that was in my corner and, and someone where I could be really honest with um, when I was frustrated and give me that perspective and encourage me that like, that's okay. Like this, this isn't the hill to die on. Like, you know, uh, we're still doing good work. Like zoom out, zoom out from these decisions. When it came to just interviewing at the 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 last the, the most recent kind of companies that you work for, you mentioned a couple of times you work with recruiters. Uh, surely you've also had experience working with or interfacing with recruiters who perhaps didn't know what product design was, um, mm-hmm. perhaps didn't know the difference between product design and graphic or visual or UI, web design. Yeah. So was that a little frustrating for you, or did you just kind of luck out finding just a really great one? And and did you basically work with the same recruiter through multiple companies throughout your career, or um, you know, each, each experience was a, a different recruiter. Like, um, what was your experience? Uh, each, each was different, but they all shared the ability to, to sell the company, understand that, you know, or pitch me on that. Like this company is pro design. They, you know, you're not just going to come in here and be told, you know, make it look pretty. They were able to at least describe a little bit of, of what the company was looking for. And I'll say that like it was, I've traditionally filtered out recruiters that that are either talking to you like a UI designer, or you can just tell in the job description a lot of the times, you know, go look at a job description from like Square, something like that. And you're like, oh, they absolutely understand what design is, how design works in their org, they have an opinion. And then, you know, maybe look at that, you know, something else from a, usually an earlier company or maybe a, a larger corporation that's just never brought design into that part of the org. That, that's how, how I was able to filter out. But, um, you know, there's, there's going to be folks that want to be that first designer in maybe the traditional engineering org or in the org that's never brought design. And that's their adventure that they want to go on in their career. That wasn't what I wanted because I had worked so much uh, as a solo designer or, you know, collaborator, but not part of a team. I wanted to be part of a team that was really practicing design at a high level. For people, one more thing about just just working with recruiters. So for people who in the audience never worked with recruiters who are in technical 
um, kind of line of work, maybe engineering or design, like do you, aside from just pitching to the company, do you also find like a, a huge benefit or just value working with a good recruiter that just walked you through the process? Perhaps they did a great job answering your questions, easing your concerns, or just Absolutely. making that whole experience just positive. I mean, I, I think like the, the best experiences, it's like kind of concierge. Like you, they're not only serving your request, but anticipating your needs. They follow through incredibly well. They have high emotional IQs. Like they're able to like paint a picture of the, you know, the culture, the personalities, the people you get to work with. It's exciting. Katie Hawk here at Big Eye, like she, she nailed me in the first call. Mm -hmm. I mean, I live, I, my email response is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, thanks for reaching out, but I'm, I'm very deep in, you know, several other interviews right now. I'm expecting to get an offer next week. And she's like 15 minutes on the phone. You have to meet these, this team you know, and talking to her, I was like, all right, like, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> and wow. I ended up putting, putting other folks on pause and, and passing on some offers. And, but she was, she was the one that got my attention when I was pretty much putting the blinders on. Um, and I mean, she's, she's amazing. And in, in I, I refer to her as a chef. She's not just like finding people, but she's finding the right mix of people at Big Eye. And we're, we're, you know, we're able to learn from one another. We're able to have a great time together. And, um, and she really kind of seeded our culture. Uh, That's great. It's, yeah. I personally know it's very difficult to engage, especially if someone like yourself is just expecting an offer in the next couple of days. And then uh, to go from that to entertaining an initial call to then, uh, you know, uh, moving you to a situation where you're now entertaining multiple conversations with the team, <laughs> like huge hats off to her and probably her persistence and just con yeah. five, five-star concierge service. Yeah. Um, question. So again, focusing on maybe pivotal onwards, specifically about your product design career. Yeah. What was the what did you design for these companies? Just very high level. Um, sure. Why did you end up leaving? Uh, mm -hmm. And what was kind of like your your thought process? And, and how big was each company? You kind of uh, sure by the time you left. So pivotal. I was designer number seven. We grew to about forty designers. Wow. We were. I think 250 in the Cloud Foundry org when I started and over 1,200 when I left. We had, we had IPO'd by the time um, I left. Lightstep, I was designer number four. And unfortunately, in four months, I was designer one. Um, and so I had to kind of rebuild that team. Uh, I was somewhere maybe in the 40s or early 50s higher and we got up to maybe like 135 mm. uh, by the time I left that was that was COVID you know as far mm. as like uh, cutbacks there um, they ended up getting acquired the following year by service now yeah but uh, let's see pivotal let's see billion account management uh, multi-factor authentication uh, integration with like you know, SAML, LDAP systems. We're trying to see the, the UI for deploying infrastructure, Google Cloud, you know, AWS, uh, your on-prem databases, managing the services that, that are layered on top of that, uh, the configurations for those, um, the APIs, uh, even working on, on the APIs of like, what does the workflow look like in the UI? What does it look like on the API? What does it look like in the CLI? Point is, it's like, Going from UI to to API CLI experience, uh, that was huge uh, to be able to to kind of 
get that level of collaboration with engineers. Um, let's see dashboard product for, for observing all of that. Mm. Um, there was a lot of no UI products. Um, and, and that was an awesome opportunity for me as either kind of putting it back my, on my PM hat and how do you go and work with an engine lead or a PM that, that really was an engineering lead the year before and help facilitate and teach them some of the skill set that they may be missing and how they can frame uh, the opportunities for their team and uh, being able to communicate that out. And so when I, was on, when I was on the operator experience, there's about eight teams and I ended up you know, being the lead there, working with uh, the director of product management, uh, primarily on research and then dropping into teams and, and you know, doing end-to-end -end design or pairing up with a designer once we had designers on, on teams as we grew. On the app developer side, there is a, you know, a product for kind of like managing your Cloud Foundry installation. So, um, you know, role, roles and teams, uh, apps and being able to um, scale those apps and the infrastructure on them um, and the services on them, the uh, metrics product itself. Uh, yeah, so like a variety uh, as well as like the CLI there and pushing to production. Yeah, kind of crossed the gambit on that side. And then at Lightstep, um, so your first project was developer mode. So uh, in order to get your application to send telemetry data to to Lightstep, uh, you have to you'd have to literally add code code snippets um, to to your app code base and. You don't want a safe environment to do that. You don't want to be doing that, like, you know, even in your staging environment. And so we, we created this kind of like all off environment so that you can at least look at the streaming logs there and know that like you, you were adding that telemetry correctly and that it was able to be received by Lightstep. Uh, but I worked on, you know, more of like the root cause analysis workflows over there, built a sandbox, uh, designed that out. I think that that's probably still up today, but uh, that was that was a really fun project. There's another case where like walk in the hallways, identifying an opportunity. Um, I talked with uh, the director of marketing and he, he was looking for an evergreen campaign and talked to sales leader and he was tired of kind of explaining the basic use cases of the product uh, on those first sales calls. And, and they were like, we need folks to be able to just get hands-on without creating an account, without talking to, to sales. And we ultimately created a more of a learning experience of pulling back from, from making friends, this game-based design of like, how do we teach people something really technical? In this case, aligning it to the business use cases, the, the product yeah. use cases that the business was trying to align everybody across. Um, so a variety of features is kind of uh, at the end of the day. Mm. There are others that I'm sure I'm missing, but yeah, I mean, it's you, you certainly worked on a variety of products, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of them are very just either robust or data focused products. Maybe it's internal, maybe it's developer focused, perhaps B2B. Like, where a lot of the commonalities between the products is has it really been intentional? Do you have um, a certain type of product that you like to work on in your career, or, or you want to continue to work on in your career? Um, and is that how you kind of navigated your career with all these companies or what were there other things that you were considering whether or not you want to kind of take these jobs? Sure. Uh, I mean, I'd say early, 
the opportunities were on mobile, right? So gotcha. iPhone, couple iPhone apps later, iPhone plus Android, um, eventually had an iPhone Android and like a little desktop hmm. um, and then kept going and, and then, you know, tablet next. And so, you know, fun, fun to kind of get that breath. And then once I got to, to Pivotal, I mean, that was really like, I, I consider this a design frontier is because I'll say to, to candidates, it's like, you know, this is for six, seven years ago, there, there wasn't as many like product led, say developer products out there in, in the market. Um, and so a lot of teams didn't know what design was or never worked with a designer. Like that's just what a PM would do ultimately, or maybe they got like a style guide, you know, several years ago and that's just what they, they referenced. So one part was thinking about platforms, right? And building out my skill set across these different platforms. And then the second mm -hmm. kind of wave that I'm in right now is more technical products that have not seen uh, design at the core. Mm -hmm. And within that, I would say this is observability. That mm -hmm. was, you know, the the thing that attracted me. I think to Big Eye was going. There are plenty of observability tools on the developer side, Datadog and Splunk being the mm -hmm. two behemoths out there uh, why if you're may if you're trusting uh critical business decisions mm -hmm. uh to data you need to be able to observe that and know yeah. that it's healthy um and so it, it kind of was like yeah like there isn't these products out here and the opportunity to work with a team that had built a suite of these products at uber um you know and kind of defined how to work with data at scale um, i'd say like wildly successful uh, in, in that regard and going like, I have this experience. So experience, opportunity, people, you know, that, that kind of, that, that made perfect sense to come, come to big eye and work on these problems with these folks. Really cool. What for designers, um, that have only done mobile that have only done web or desktop, is there like a benefit or constraint to that? Or would you rather maybe your advice to designers is try it like yourself, have exposure, try a lot of different things, perhaps, you know, being able to show portfolio demonstrates work across perhaps web mobile dashboards beyond can, can be a wonderful way to even demonstrate even better your skill set, your aptitude, uh, and, and just your track record as a designer, or, um, you know, do you have more, what maybe respect's not the right word, but do you have what like what are your thoughts if you were to view a portfolio of just a design that's been singly focused on one thing? Well, in your opinion, is that a good thing? Will that potentially hurt this candidate in the future if they were going to get new jobs with product design and that landscape shifting a lot? Like, what are your thoughts to that? All depends on what they're where they're interested in working, right? Like, if you are that specialist, awesome. Go find a larger org that needs a specialist. Uh, at that level, whether it's data visualization or UI or design systems, you know, like there, there's an opportunity for you, for you out there. Um, so I, I don't think specializing is, is a bad thing at all. Um, having gone through the 20, you know, 2008 crash and was basically changing careers during that time. There's, there's, I have a certain, like, uh, I want to be hireable in any market. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of those roles might be a little harder to find in, in down markets. Um, mm -hmm. but that's, that's been a little bit of my, my approach there. I feel like just whatever you do as a designer, as your day job doesn't define you as a designer, 
Like we're all curious folks at the end of the day, like I'll look at chat app or something like that and, and admire that animation or just like how slick, you know, some of these experiences are. That's inspiring for me, even though like I'm working on something where we probably never put in that amount of effort at into to a micro interaction mm-hmm. right now at the stage mm-hmm. we are as, as a company. Um, and I don't know, you know, got my little scratch pad out there and, you know, I'll go play around with that. I'm looking forward to, to messing around with mid journey over the holiday break. Like that's, that's definitely like very interesting, especially from the brand, you know, uh, side. It's like, I would love to, to use this to, you know, maybe build a library for, for us to use as like cards in our learn center or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I want to go tinker with that. I want to go figure that out. I mean, even like tools, right? Like I'm, I'm agnostic you know, at the end of the day, as long as I can create. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's XD or which rest in peace, uh, <laughs> but you know, like sketch or Photoshop is where I started Photoshop mm-hmm. and um, the, the Adobe suite um, doesn't, doesn't matter at the end of the day. I, I, those are reps. That's, that's experience. Uh, gives you perspective. I mean, I look at Steph Curry, right? This, mm-hmm. this guy is the most insane shooter of all time. He's shooting shots from the tunnel, you know, like half court. He's playing games with himself, like constantly entertaining himself, but getting that feel, getting getting that intuition, right? And I want that as a designer. I, I want to. I want that. So that that means, yeah, I'm creating even when I'm not creating as my job or. I'm creating something completely different than my work because I, I want to stretch myself. Yeah, I, I encourage, I, I think, you know, designers have that ability to produce. I wish I, I did more of that in the beginning mm. of my career. And I think uh, the way that I'll, I'll frame it now to folks is, is create more than you consume. It's very easy, like with any progression, or sorry, any career progression or career track to be known as just one thing, salad on one thing, designing just one thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're a specialist. But I think if you have that inner curiosity like yourself and you feel like whatever you're designing now, there's so many other things that you can design, whether it's a a new job, maybe something that you can tinker on the side, just just do it, just don't stop. And I kind of love that mentality. And, And you know what? I think that's secondarily like just allowing you to be more nimble, adapt, try new tools, um, challenge yourself and you can grow through that process and then whatever happens to the future i feel like you're just lean and nimble with a rising set of skills that you're just developing both professionally and just on the side and you're just ready for whatever uh the next chapter of life takes you and it helps you as a designer i mean Mm -hmm. because like you're able to separate more of like your identity or emotional attachment to to the work um a good friend mentor uh, Dan Ball, he, he says ideas are ugly. Mm. Like that's okay. That's so okay. And, um, you know, for, at, looking at like the design team now, I try to make sure that like our critique, um, our critique is design only. We'll, we'll do design reviews with, you know, PMs and engineers and stakeholders and all that stuff. But I want to make that as safe of a space as possible for us to share that early work to, to, you know, ask questions to, to be vulnerable, right? Ultimately, I think like as you mature in your design career, you get more comfortable sharing earlier stuff. Um, you also become a better storyteller too, which, mm-hmm. which helps. 
real quick, what are your thoughts of technology companies putting design or the design team in the marketing department versus like the product department? Do you have any just thoughts that is one better, one worse? So I guess I kept Epic. I, um, <laughs> you know, brand design reports to me. I technically report to the CTO on, on the product side of the org. That was something that, that I requested early on um, to be in a, a new company. I didn't want to have that, that wall at siloing. And like I was saying before, like there's a lot of cross-pollination that can happen. Um, I think both models can absolutely work. Uh, at the end of the day, it requires a little more communication on my side to understand what's happening and go to market and, you know, getting, getting kind of a pulse, getting, being able to get feedback on, on my team's work, but also under, understand and build empathy for, for what they're trying to accomplish um, on that side of the house. Uh, I think like when you get to a certain level of scale, like it, it definitely might get, get harder to do, but um, that's, that's when, you know, kind of getting more directors or senior directors in place can can help that that balance um you know still still be efficient there perfect uh, yeah opinion is earlier company i'd like to see you know at least a, a space or opportunity for the designers to get together uh and to to share share work and to, to pair up uh, as much as possible because how big is your team now and then are you guys looking to expand if people who are listening uh really resonate with you and like oh man maybe one day i would love to join your team like do, do you guys see yourself hiring into the future um and my second question to that is for someone who maybe one day like wow um it'd be really uh great to to maybe work for you one of these days like what is your leadership and management philosophy with the people that you're managing Mm-hmm. Uh, we're five right now. Um, most likely gonna gonna hire next year. Um, you know, it's in, we're kind of wrapping up the year and gonna figure out headcount in the next month or so. Um, so I won't have any you know, hard timelines there uh, for a little bit. Um, my management style is like create an environment for people to thrive and do their best work in their career, and so that. That means, um, you know, kind of from the beginning of, of understanding who this person is, what the experience they have, um, how they might fit within, within the team, uh, within the problems that we're trying to solve. Part of, part of what I do is we have, you know, really basic skill, skills matrix. We'll do like the, in the first 30 days, like an intake on that, where I'm going to go and rate, rate them independently. They're going to self-evaluate. And then we're going to go have a conversation and align on that. Um, and so kind of know, know where you're at across um, kind of all, all the different skills. And then we pick out two, maybe three uh, skill goals for the quarter. I want to see at least one move, ideally two. Um, and that could be just, you know, performing well with the opportunities uh, that you have. And then that, that becomes a check-in for us in our, in our one-on-one. The market has definitely changed in the last two years, but, you know, roll back a, a year ago and designers had picked up a litter. Uh, it was, it was kind of insane. And um, you got to be able to keep great talent and great talent is going to want to progress in their career. They're going to want those opportunities um, and eventually just more and more autonomy. Um, I look at it like you get to this point where it's just like, I need to get out of your way so you can go and do your best work right now and that's that's when we get to this really cool kind of growth um self-driven growth phase uh but yeah it's just creating that environment setting those expectations 
giving frequent, you know, pretty chill feedback to somebody. I don't want to sit on anything. Um, you know, we do retros uh, with our team as well. So like I'm hearing feedback um, from them on kind of how their experience is. Uh, but there's, there's more that I could be doing on that. Um, it's been, been a busy year, but the, you know, those are areas where I can grow as a manager and, and ask for more direct feedback rather than just every six months when we do our kind of our company level manager, you know, up, down feedback. For the people who are getting inspired to me, like, wow, maybe product design could be an amazing career choice for me. Do you still think now is still a great time for someone to get into product design, um, design, digital design general as a career choice? And then um, for those that you've hired or you interviewed, for someone who came into the profession um, in your own unique, unconventional way, would you, do you also have a soft spot for those? That are following the same same footsteps um, and wanting to either pivot tangentially from another uh, career path, or they just doing something that initially for like might not make sense for biochemistry design, but then they really want to make the effort and persistence and try to make it happen. Yes, so I think it's an excellent time to to become a product designer. Things that that there are today, I mean, there's tons of communities that are online and thriving. There wasn't as much of that um, when I was starting out. So like. You can go and join a community. There are folks like uh, Matt Smith, or he goes by MDS. Uh, he's got an amazing course called Shift Nudge. Uh, RID, he's got Figma Academy. You know, so that's like tool specific over there. But like uh, Matt's is more you know product and UI design. Uh, there's I can't remember his name, but he does uh, like 10x designer. There's so much content online. I mean Dan Petty's uh, book on um, on building a portfolio. You know, if you want to go the freelance route, there's tons of resources over there. And Chris Du is a content machine. Uh, you can go and learn from these folks. And oftentimes they that gets you into their community. And um, that's one thing I, I forgot to mention was Dan Petty used to do this, this event called Epicurrence. And he'd just take a ton of designers out to some crazy location, whether that's like Hawaii and go you know, learn to surf and have these real conversations with folks, but like it was community. And those, I have relationships from that, from that community and have got feedback, um, you know, along, along my journey. Uh, so I think it's, it's easier than ever to, uh, to get access to people, to, to get something that I would say is the equivalent of, you know, a chemistry textbook. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so like you, you can learn a lot, but you have to put in the hours. You have to put in the reps. There's no substitute for that. And you just got to be creating all the time. The, you can't teach that at, at the end of the day. Um, I absolutely have a soft spot for folks that, you know, have done a career change. But if I if I pull back, you know, a layer of like, what do I what am I looking for up front? I mean, absolutely have to have great communication skills. Um, somebody that's demonstrated solid collaboration, especially in, in, you know, the state of field where you don't know everything, you'll never know everything and you don't have enough time to learn it all. So you have to trust your teammates. So whether that's your backend team or somebody with the, the product manager, or like we get to work with, um, our data science team, you know, like you're, you're constantly having to learn, facilitate, translate, uh, with folks. And so definitely looking for, even if you've been in other roles, how you've done that. Then the other part is like adaptability. And so, yeah, career change is a good example of that. 
switching orgs within a company, you know, it could be a smaller example of that. I want to see how somebody has learned how they climb that. And I'm looking for a level of vulnerability of, you know, defaulting to action, uh, resilience, persistence along the way, especially, you know, us being, you know, startup, like there's a roller coaster, you know, <laughs> like you got to be ready for it. Um, you, you got to have that endurance for it, uh, for the, for the change that, that is going to come. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, hard design skills, like I want to see that you've, you've invested and in folks that are more at the senior level. I want to see that they're able to wield their, their process. And so not that you have a one size fits all, not that, you, you know, you overfit your process, but like you figure out what's, what's the shortest path to, to learning. I really appreciate the the advice. And as we're kind of nearing the end here, mm-hmm. um, when I ask you just a couple more questions. So in your opinion, what is the, the future of design? Future of design? What is the future of practice? Is there anything that is really exciting you? I, I think we can't, can't talk about this without saying that AI is going to do something into into our day to day. Like I'm saying before, like, hey, could I use Midjourney to create like a bunch, like a library of uh, little cards that we can throw up on our website? You know, something like that. That would be like a yes. You could go in ArcDirect and figure that out, but it's still like the execution is like a rote task. We don't need to really do that at the end of the day. It's not going to like change the world if a human does it versus uh, you know AI doing that, but like where are those opportunities to remove that rote task for you or to like learn really quickly? I mean, one of the problems we have as product designers is there's a mountain of like past research that happened and everyone's trying to figure out like, how do we organize that better? Like we know that drive is a dumpster fire. Like, you know, some people try Notion, some people have Miro, it's all all over the place, but like, how can I just figure out if we already learned this or asked this question before? Um, there's probably a ton of opportunities in there synthesizing, you know, a, a call and what are the key takeaways, things like that, that take up a lot of time, but we can use those as inputs to do the more impactful work. Uh, that we're trying to do. And Jordan Singer has been working on some, I think it was a plugin, but a plugin for Figma where you could type in what you want um, it to create for you. And so like building out a bunch of like in-between screens or things like that, or just getting layouts together, there's ways that you can, you know, use a tool to to make that faster. Future design besides that, um, I think it's going to be more pervasive through companies. And I think like I'm personally writing that curve when it comes to these more technical products. You know, what's what's the next space that it's gonna, gonna enter? Tons of opportunities to, to learn about different businesses, to practice design in different ways. It shouldn't look like the same across all of them. Uh, I think the future is very bright for us. And, and you know, you're, you're gonna, folks are gonna be able to find that, that niche, you know, that works for them, that, that matches their your passion, interest, skill set. What are your favorite tools that you like to use day to day? Linear. Um, it's just insanely good. It's simple, but powerful. I mean, actually Miro. Miro because it's efficient. I mean, it's, it's not like it's not like linear in terms of like the level of polish, but my gosh, I can get something done and I can get like, I can collaborate with like marketing or sales, people that are non-designers. That to me is like amazing that they built something approachable. Uh, for different folks. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Phone-wise, and now you, now you got me thinking about mobile. 
what do I use on a daily basis? I don't know Robinhood is actually quite efficient for me. I, I like I like that for just kind of like you know playing playing with a, a little bit of cash um, in stocks. I think that's they've made that a uh, rather intuitive experience rather than like a scary experience. I remember, you know, look, look, you know, logging into Charles Schwab and you're like, what year was this built? And, you know, you, you now you have basically the ability on, on the phone and it's super intuitive and it looks great. Thank you for sharing Probably, that with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, uh, yeah, last question. Um, first of all, I, I'm just a very grateful for a lot of the, the advice and, and lessons you learned and you're able to share just in a very honest way with the audience. I'm sure a lot of them, uh, many of us, including myself, found very valuable and insightful. If there was one advice that you want to give for someone that would hopefully would love to follow in your footsteps, uh, just having an amazing career, uh, working your way up to working at fantastic companies and uh, always finding ways to just be a better version of yourself and then and, and never kind of stop and never settle. Like, what would it be? Like, right. I, I got like a group, group text, um, you know, with a bunch of designers that I've worked with and cross paths with, and we encourage one another in there and we support one another and we can ask questions and, you know, help each other navigate our career. That is the most valuable thing to me in my career right now. These are personal relationships. They're, they're folks that when we're in town, we try to get together, but it's a journey. Like the market changes, the tools change. You're, you're going to have to go through all of that. You can't avoid it. And you need a, a group of people that can understand what you're going through, can relate deeply, and um, can give you that encouragement when you need it most. Well, I, again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out and just sharing your background. Uh, for, for being just honest and open and and talk everything from what you've done in biochemistry to starting your own company, to product management, to how you navigate your career uh, within design at, at a lot of really fascinating technical companies as you have. And I'm truly excited to see what's in store for you in terms of the future, what what you and your team will continue to do at Big Eye. Uh, but yeah. I particularly resonate with your energy, your your hunger for constantly tinking, tinkering, always designing, never settling, and always trying ways to just better yourself as a professional, as a human being, and yeah. just... Um, be excited uh, with what you're doing now and especially what you could be what you could be doing how to better prepare yourself for the future as well so this has been filled with so many valuable insightful nuggets and and again I really want to thank you so much and um, we'll certainly be rooting for you and your continued amazing rock star career into the future yeah all right well, thank you so much Preston I appreciate the opportunity I love what you're doing here I mean just Stories like this, I do hope that they inspire folks. I know I was very hunger, hungry to hear of like, what was it like? And I kind of get in a bit of the war stories um, when I was, you know, kind of going through that that transition um, in my career. So uh, keep it up and um, yeah, I look forward to see who you have on next. Means a lot. And actually one more thing, if people want to reach out to you directly, uh, where can they find you for advice? Perhaps, you know, you frequent uh, certain meetups uh, throughout the year, like if, a, a quick little plug here uh, in case that the audience really gets excited about this, resonates with your mission. Hopefully one day it would love to cross paths with you. Uh, Twitter, I'm Jacob ESPA and uh, LinkedIn. Also, you know, lawyer.com slash in slash Jacob ESPA, right? Like I'll respond. It's all good. Yeah. Those, I appreciate it. 
And for everyone listening, please do not hesitate to reach out to Jacob. He's 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 awesome. And uh, thank you again. So Jacob, really appreciate it. Um, I know we're filming this in December. So wishing you wonderful, happy early holidays. Um, happy, I guess, last several weeks of 2022. And we'll keep in touch well into the new year yep. together. All right. Take care, Preston. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe for other great stories that are coming up. If you need any help with hiring, know of anyone who's looking for a job, or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at www.kickstartfinder.com. Really, really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the next one.